Uh, we do need uh, a lot of help from God as we uh, come to this part of Scripture, so how about we pray? Father God, we pray that you would speak, O oh Lord, that you would teach us your ways, that you'd give us discernment and wisdom to understand uh, this part of your word, and that you would use it uh, to shape and fashion us in your likeness as we live for the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. That's not fair. It's a comment that we make, uh, that we think or we feel as we live in this world today. That's not fair. Whether it be acts of injustice to innocent people, tyrannic rulers of nations, organizations, maybe it's unfairness at a more personal level. People not getting what they deserve, whether it's bad things happening to good people or good things happening to bad people. We all have a natural desire for justice, for good things to happen to good people and for evil to be punished, don't we? And for people to be held accountable for the bad things that they do, to get what they deserve for there to be some sort of fairness, equality, and balancing of the scales. But as we know, living in our fallen world today, injustice and unfairness is a part of life. Well, as we continue our dive into Ecclesiastes today, uh, we've seen in the past few weeks uh, the preacher discussing a variety of different aspects in life what life is like under the sun, the messiness, the depressiveness of life, life in a world marred by sin and the fall. And the preacher, he gives words of wisdom, but ultimately shows his first audience and us today that this world cannot truly satisfy us, that we have to look somewhere else, that we have to look above the sun to look ultimately to God for true satisfaction, meaning, and purpose. And we see the same thing today too, showcasing another aspect of life under the sun, injustice or justice, unfairness or fairness, giving words of wisdom, but ultimately showing again that this world truly doesn't satisfy, that even wisdom, as helpful as it can be, ultimately isn't the answer for us. In fact, we'll see that we're powerless to right the wrongs in our world on our own, that we aren't in control, that we can't master every situation, that despite our best efforts, injustice happens under the sun. So the preacher works through this topic of justice under the sun, and he finishes with what we're to know and what we're to do in this world where injustice happens big and small. And while the examples given here are different to the world of today, the question and the issue I think is still the same. Injustice happens. Unfairness, we all know, is a part of life. It's still the same world as the preacher's world. So this passage, it shows us what we're to know and what we're to do as we live for Jesus today. 
And I think the passage divides itself into three parts. There's one act of injustice in verse 1 to 9, another act of injustice in verse 10 to 13, and concluding comments to summarize this section in verse 14 to 17. So keep your Bibles open. Uh, We're going to have a look at verse 1. It says, Who is like the wise and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine and the hardness of his face is changed. You see, the chapter begins by praising wisdom, continuing the theme of wisdom from last week in chapter 7. He's saying that no one is like the wise. The wise are esteemed and honoured, and it's the wise who can interpret a dream, like Joseph in Egypt, wise men interpreting dreams in the royal court of a king. Wisdom makes a person stand out. His face shines. Wisdom is a great attribute to possess. It's helpful in life. And we'll see the preacher come back to wisdom to close this chapter off later. And as we keep going, the location of the scene stays in the royal courts of the king. And we see the first scenario of injustice. Have a a look at verse 2. I say keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take a stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps the command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. You see, being in the king's court uh, before the presence of a king was often a place of injustice. Ancient Near Eastern kings were powerful, but they were unpredictable, and the consequences of opposing such a king was usually harm or most likely death. Chapters 4 and 5 already painted kings and rulers as unjust and oppressive. Even looking at the kings that followed Solomon, most of them were wicked and evil kings. It's not fair. The wicked rule. They're powerful. And Solomon's wisdom here is this. Obey the king. You swore allegiance to him before God. Verse 3, don't storm out in disgust. Don't delay in obeying him. Verse 4, don't question the king. Verse 5, this Obedience means no evil will be done. And the final word of wisdom, the wise know, they know the time and the way to act. Of course, God's word has much more to say about living under earthly authorities. But here in Ecclesiastes, the preacher brings us to a place of injustice. And even in his sagely advice, he can feel how unfair, how unjust the situation is obeying a powerful and oppressive king even against what you want to do yourself. So the preacher gives some teaching to reflect on this scenario in verse 6. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's troubles lies heavy on him. 
he highlights his wise advice here. Wisdom in the midst of injustice is about the right time and the right way. And it's good practical wisdom if you're looking for that this morning. Because we often say or do silly things, don't we? When we have the right time, but the wrong way to do something. Or the right way, but the wrong time to do something. And this leads the preacher to commenting on life under the sun in verse 7. He says, For he does not know what is to be. For who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. See, the preacher goes on and he picks up again from chapter 3. Remember, we don't have control over the times. We don't know the future. We don't have control or power over the wind, which in Hebrew is the same word as spirit, or over when we die. We don't have power or control over that. If we're a soldier, we're not in control just to walk away in the midst of a war in the battlefield. And if we're in the snares of wickedness, wickedness doesn't just let us walk off and escape. You see, we're not in control. Even those who appear to be in control, the king in this case, they aren't really in control. Even in the midst of injustice, it's not the, it's not the unjust and the wicked ruler who is really in control. Someone else, you see, is mysteriously working. God is working. And we'll see this a bit later. Verse 9 ends this section. All this I observe while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun when man had power over man to his hurt. You see, these are Solomon's observations, investigating how the world works in his search for meaning. He sees injustice, man having power, here the king, and that results in the hurt of others, his victims. Well, as we keep going to our second scene of injustice, some think it's a new section and a new thing, uh, while others think it actually is the same thing. It continues on with the same unjust and wicked king in mind which highlights the theme of justice even more. Have a look at verse 10. He says, Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity. You see, this is the icing on the cake for injustice. The wicked rulers, they're buried the ones oppressing, abusing their power, afflicting injustice, the ones who used to even walk in and out of the holy places, kings walking in and out of the holy temple. And to add salt to the wound, these wicked ones, they're even praised when the city knew how unjust and oppressive uh, these rulers and kings were. And the preacher moves to his favorite phrase, this also is vanity. He puts his hands in the air 
in frustration, justice under the sun. There is none. There is no justice. And this is what he sees in verse 11. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. It's that feeling when you hear about the Bali bomber being released early or the abuser getting off on a technicality. It's injustice. Evil isn't punished swiftly. Some even get off the hook completely. And this reality, it actually encourages people to do more evil and wickedness. You see, as the preacher suggests justice as a place to find meaning and satisfaction and purpose under the sun, his conclusion is the same as others. Vanity, meaningless. There's no satisfaction in looking for justice under the sun. And the preacher, he, I think he feels so down about this that he moves to talk about his faith in God who's above the sun. He doesn't do this very often in Ecclesiastes, but he does it here, I think, to reassure himself and his listeners about true and final justice. Verse 12. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, Yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. You see, the teacher, the preacher, he steps out of script for a moment to remind his listeners and us today of what justice really looks like. That even though in this world sinners keep sinning, they get away with evil, their life might even be increased, that in the end, that in God's time, justice will come. Justice will be served, and it will go well for those who do fear God. But it won't be well for the wicked and for those who don't fear God. We do indeed live in a world where there is injustice under the sun. It takes wisdom to navigate through it. It takes knowing that it's not the oppressors, but God who's in control. And living with this tension, knowing that one day justice will be done for those who fear God and those who do evil. Well, as the chapter ends, the preacher, he offers up some concluding thoughts to round off this topic. And the first is a summary in verse 14. There is a vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. Justice under the sun. If you're looking for it, the preacher's conclusion is that it ends in vanity. No satisfaction. Meaninglessness. Righteous people, they get treated as if they were wicked. And wicked people get treated as if they were righteous. It's not fair under the sun. 
So what should we do? How do we hold this idea of a sovereign God with injustice in the world? Well, the preacher, unfortunately, doesn't directly answer this, but he does offer up two considerations here. And the first, in verse 15, offers up a familiar response. And I commend joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful, for this will go with him in his toils through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. I think the preacher is trying to say that amidst all the questions and the mystery of injustice, and if, and if it's ultimately unclear how justice works in this world, and if it's better in the long term to fear God, then that's what we should do, to know the joy that God gives us in this world and, and to fear God and to live his ways. Which moves us to the second and final consideration in verse 16. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep. Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. You see, Solomon, he investigated hard and far the question of justice under the sun. And his task, he says, it occupied him. It made him busy day and night. He didn't sleep while asking this question. And his conclusion, our final consideration is that we simply cannot comprehend the work of God. It's repeated here. Man cannot find out. He will not find out. Even a wise man cannot find it out. How does justice work under the sun? Well, we don't know. We just know that God is sovereign, that he's in control and behind the thick and mess of it, he's working. And for us, for you and me, for mere humans, it's just too much for us to grasp and comprehend. It's above our pay grade. Justice, it's a matter that we leave for God to deal with. And our role is to let God be God, to fear him, to live for him, to obey him, and to Enjoy the life that God gives to us, his people. So in today's passage, uh, we've looked at the topic of justice under the sun. We've touched very briefly on the question of injustice in the world. We see injustice in all sorts of places in our lives, whether it be acts of atrocities, tyrannic and abusive leaders, evil being unpunished, crime without an equal punishment, discrimination, slavery. We see good people get unrewarded. They suffer harshly and they're dealt a bad hand in life, as we call it. We feel more personal feelings of unfairness. Day to day, you might look around with people living lives that they don't deserve. 
while you work hard for no reward, or that you followed the straight and narrow, but you still suffer in health, in finances, in relationships, getting the short end of the straw. For others who live it their own way in sin, they have it easy and they have it all. Well, I think as we consider this topic of justice under the sun, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, it offers up or it leads us to three comments as we finish off this morning. And the first is this, know the sovereign God above the sun. You see, Ecclesiastes, it gives us a real down-to-earth picture of life under the sun in this world, this horizontal view. But God is using this writing to cause us to look up above the sun, to look to God above all. And here, when talking about justice, when we see or feel or experience injustice, it's calling us to gaze upward, to look and know that God, he's sovereign, he's in control, and he's the all-powerful one. And that while we may not understand or comprehend how he works, we can gain comfort and assurance knowing that he's there working. And while this won't stop necessarily the injustice, isn't it a privilege that we know and that we're in a right relationship with the one who indeed is all-powerful, the one who is in control of the wind, over life and death, over all things, the one who will one day bring divine and true justice to all creation. So as we see and as we feel injustice, know the sovereign God above the sun. Look to him, remember him, trust him, lean on him and let God be God. And this leads us to our second comment. Know that God has ultimately shown his justice at the cross of Jesus to give us new life. You see, as we consider injustice amidst a world full of injustice, God has actually worked in our world, in time, space, history, and he's demonstrated his perfect justice. And he does this while showing his great mercy to us at the cross of Jesus. You see, God executed justice in that great moment, that great exchange where salvation was won at the cross. And he did this by pouring out his complete wrath against sin. And he poured it on his son, the perfect and the sinless one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And through this one great act of justice, God, he gives and lavishes mercy on all those who trust in Jesus. People like you and me, deserving death for our sin. But because Jesus, he dies in our place on our behalf, God's judgment is satisfied in Jesus and we look forward to new life forever. It's a scandalous justice. It almost feels like a great injustice 
undeserving sinners like us enjoying life and freedom. Yet it is a perfect justice that deals with the age-old problem of sin. So as we consider justice, injustice, we must remember the cross of Jesus, God's justice on display, his justice and mercy that allows sinners like us to enjoy new life for eternity. Never forget the cross of Jesus, especially in those moments when you're crying out, that's not fair, of injustice. Run to the cross. Point people to the cross. Know that God has shown his justice at the cross to give you and me and us new life. And as we come to this morning's final comment, the preacher in Ecclesiastes, he's already alluded to a future justice, a future time of justice, when those who fear God will live in joy before God, and they will one day receive their just judgment and prosper and have life. And those who are wicked on the other hand, or sinful or evil, they will receive their just judgment and be punished. And as we look back at God's show of justice at the cross of Jesus, we also look forward, we look ahead to a, to a day of justice, a future day of salvation and judgment for all peoples. In Matthew chapter 13, uh, Jesus tells a number of parables in rapid fire, several of them looking forward to this future day of justice. One of them is the parable of the net in verses 47 to 50. Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, one day, one day, God's going to come and wrap up all that's under the sun. And he's going to deliver ultimate justice separating the good from the bad, saving those who believe in Jesus, the righteous, the ones who fear God, and judging the evil, the wicked, the ones who opposed God, the ones who ignored God, the ones who did evil and wickedness without the blood of Jesus covering up their sin. So as we consider justice under the sun, let's be reminded of that future day of justice. And ask ourselves, how will you live your life today in light of that future day of justice? Well, the author of Ecclesiastes, he urges us in this. He says, fear God. And we do this, we fear God by acknowledging our rebellion before God accepting Jesus' free gift of life won at the cross and living well 
for Jesus as Lord and Saviour. That's how you fear God in light of the cross of Jesus. It involves a conscious decision to follow Jesus, but it's a way of life that we continue to live by day, by day, by day. Whether you follow Jesus for a few days or a few decades, it's the same thing, living well, fearing God day by day. And the author also urges us here to live well, to enjoy life, to be freed from that endless spiral of questioning justice and injustice, to trust God and his sovereign work, and to enjoy the life and the work that God gives to us, his children. Or maybe this morning finds you questioning the the fairness of life. God wants you to run to him, to trust him in the midst of your hurt and pain. And while this is no easy task, God doesn't want these injustices to paralyze you. He wants you to continue in fearing him and living well. God wants us to live well, to have urgency in living well, to serve God and not ourselves, to fear him first and foremost, to let God be God. Persevering, enduring, to continue to live for him even through injustice and unfairness. And to do this in light of knowing God's just judgment that's coming on the last day. So how would you live differently today, knowing that God's just judgment is coming soon? Well, as we finish off this morning, we've seen that feeling that we all know that there's no justice under the sun. Injustice happens, it rules and reigns, that looking for justice in this world It's a dead end. It doesn't satisfy. It's a vain pursuit. But we've been reminded this morning also about the God of justice. God who's sovereign, who's in control, he's ruling and reigning above all. The God who's worked his perfect justice through Jesus on the cross, taking our penalty for our sin and winning us new life and salvation. And we've been reminded also to look ahead to that future, that final day of justice, where God will separate the righteous from the evil, those who fear God and those who oppose God, where God will save and judge once for all. And we've been challenged in light of this to trust our sovereign God amidst all that's happening in the world and in our lives, and to fear him, enjoying the life that God gives to each and every one of us. Well, let's pray in light of God's word today. Let's pray. Our sovereign and gracious God, in the times of our lives when we see, when we feel or experience injustice, when things just seem to be unfair. Our Father, help us to lift our gaze, to fix them towards you, the sovereign God. Remind us that you are God. You're in control. 
and you know all that's happening. Even though for us it may not make sense and we cannot comprehend it, Lord, give us comfort knowing that you've got it in your powerful yet merciful hands. Lord, we thank you that in spite of all the injustices we see, that you have worked your divine justice in your Son, in his death, taking the sin that we deserved, wiping us clean and making us holy in your sight. Injustice, it seems, but your perfect justice for sin and for us to be saved. Lord, this morning, help us to fear you and to live for you above all. Lord, help us to live in light of your coming judgment when Jesus comes again in glory. Lord, we need wisdom. We need your help by your spirit to persevere. And Lord, we need your truth to penetrate our minds and our hearts so that we can live for you and you only. Lord, do this in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.